good morning. It's morning huddle time. Chad Prinky here, as always, along with my good friend, producer, co-host extraordinaire. Uh, uh, stop. Stop. <laughs> hey, um, how do you want us to install this uh, water heater? And my coworker's like, I don't know, install the water heater. Like, why are you even asking me? He's like, well, I don't know if you know, but did what you designed. It can't physically fit through the front door. <laughs> my class is only 40 minutes. So we have to get this done in 40 right? minutes. You have to clean up in 40 minutes. And then it also, when you use the miter saw, a lot of kids are scared of the miter saw and you just see the difference in their confidence when they come in here compared to when they when they leave, it, they're excited. Be announcing a new county that's gonna join us in Maryland. So we continue to spread it. And I'll say my peers across the country are starting to take this and adopt this at their local IEC chapters. Either um, AI assistant tools, you have AI master builder tools, and then you have um, kind of a bit of both that are one foot in BIM in current processes and one foot in AI. Said Brett, in life, opportunity meets you at your level of preparation. She said, here's the keys, go forth and do great things. Good morning. It is morning huddle time. Chad Prinky here along with Stacey Holzinger. How are you, Stacey? I'm doing good. I'm really excited. Um, we have Andrea on today. I'm meeting her in person on the February 28th with MCCEI for their big image construction image symposium. I'm hearing really good things about the MCCE. What is it again? MCCEI. Yeah. I'm hearing really good things about that. Yeah, Jennifer over there, she's doing such a great job. Um, tons of change with apprenticeships in Maryland and things like that. So, yeah, this will awesome. be a great one. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, we're <laughs> I, I'm I'm experiencing one of those kind of classic Maryland, you know, snow days. Wing, yeah. Right, like oh no, everything's got to close. There's like snow coming down. I mean, it's not on the ground, but it's yeah. coming down. So we should. Wet. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, my kids are stoked, and and there may be a bunch of noise in the back. I know. I was just gonna say, if my son, I gave him directions today, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> totally, I totally am with you. My my wife, I heard her like giving a little pep talk to the three of them in the playroom, which is right behind me, where she's like, "Daddy has an important show to do." <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very cute. Uh, I, my my wife always has my back. Um, well, so I wondered, Stacy, if what's the good news? in your world what what when you're like what are you grateful for right now what am i grateful for uh so many things mm. um well my family of course you know biggest supporters and i just built up such a network we were talking the other day um you know business development and networking it doesn't happen overnight it takes years of support and different trainings and just self-awareness about who you are and sticking to your values, having the same people surrounding you um, that complement those values, and then you can do great things. Wow. What about you? That's like a be way more, your answer is way better than my answer. I was going to be like, you know, it's nice outside. Um, yeah, no, that, that was awesome. That's really good. And, and uh, I, I really do want to say, Stacey, I, 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 there's some depth in that answer that most people actually should pause and reflect on. I just did. I think that's really, that's a valuable comment that like, you know, being true to yourself and being consistent 
and being somebody that people around you learn how to trust. Mm-hmm. It's essential in in your uh, as a business owner or as a business developer, which business owners are small ones are business developers, right? So um, anyway, uh, my my uh, good news in my world, I I'm just reflecting on having such a cool group of people to work with. Um, both people who are inside uh, well-built our company and people who are outside our company, but we've just, I, I, I was, uh, I did a, an event with, um, uh, me and two of our consultants a couple of weeks ago and the whole time, uh, that I wasn't doing the work, but I was watching them do the work. I just kept on sitting back and being like, my gosh, I'm just so lucky to be able to hang out with these people. And, um, and that's a great feeling to have when you're, when you're just surrounded by people that you genuinely like and admire. And how do you find those people? I am going to sound so annoying right now (laughs) when I answer this question. I am seriously going to sound so annoying. They have all found me. All have reached out to me in one way or another and said, like, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Whether they said that, you know, in our first meeting, you know, or whether they said that eventually the people that are on our team um, have all come to us. Yeah. And that's the value of putting yourself out there. And a lot of people are afraid of that because they're in this vulnerable state. But, you know, what you put out there, you know, people are attracted to or the right people for your team. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's because I think there are amazing people who have no interest in working for well-built. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like yeah. the right people for us are seeing what, and, and I, th- I really do think that the work that you and I are doing on the morning huddle helps to amplify that message for, for certainly for well-built. And I'm, and I'm, I'm hope I know for you too. I mean, it brings you a lot of people that you're looking for. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, thank you. Thank you for asking. That was a nice, uh, <laughs> It was a good, that's a good moment. I want to introduce Andrea. Andrea is um, a past guest. Andrea is a, a friend. She's a friend of, I've built a friendship with Andrea uh, afterward. And furthermore, she is uh, a, actually like a strategic business partner for WellBuilt, where we bring her, Andrea and her group at Ambition Theory into our clients to help them uh, become more inclusive uh, organizations to help to set women up for success, to help uh, uh, grow women into leaders inside their organization. And all of that stuff is uh, what our experience has been with Andrea. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me back. I am doing great. (laughs) Yeah, you're out in uh, Denver and you're coming here soon, right? Yeah, I'm coming February 28th. And I know you didn't, you said the acronym, so you didn't see the full names as the Maryland Center for Construction, Education and Innovation uh, for their symposium on February 28th. It's going to be awesome. What are you talking about? So I will be actually, we, I'm actually taking everybody through our coaching methodology for the entire day. So um, we, Ambition Theory is all about taking action and implementation. So we're actually going to take, start people at the beginning with getting their mindset ready to learn and come up with new approaches. And at the end of the day, we're going to wrap it up with a breakout exercise where we find solutions and we figure out actions that we want to bring back to our companies. And in the middle, I'll be talking about my favorite topic 
in the world, uh, sponsorship versus mentorship as yeah. a way to advance women and everybody um, so that they can have amazing careers within the construction industry. I want to dive in on that subject of sponsorship and mentorship for uh, two minutes at the outset of this episode. You've been on before. That was the key focus of that conversation. And it's not going to be the key focus of today, but I do think it's such a powerful message. It certainly made a difference in my mindset. And I'd love to have you uh, give us a quick primer of, of what sponsorship versus mentorship looks like in, in your experience. Um, so sponsorship is really about opportunity and exposure based mentorship is advice and preparation based and quickly um, it's this how it shows up for men and women is different um, so we, we we use the word mentorship to describe all of this so when you're getting mentored it's you're getting advice you're hearing stories from that experienced person um, and at the end of the day, it's up to the mentee to figure out how to apply all of this amazing advice. So you have to find the opportunity alone, um, in a sponsorship relationship. And we, we usually call this mentorship, um, in our words, right. it's really about, you know, creating that opportunity together. So it's that person inviting you to the meeting, letting you speak. And if you think about who's going to advance faster, is it the person preparing or is it the person giving that given that opportunity and they can learn as they go? Um, and what we found in our in our research that we did with the National Center for Construction Education and Research is that women experience sponsorship half as often as mentorship. And so if advancing women is something that we want to do in this industry, shifting your mindset from one of advice and preparation I don't want her to fail. I want her to be ready when the opportunity comes to, I see this potential in this person. I'm going to put them on this stretch project. I'm going to give them this opportunity. And you know, as their sponsor, I am there to make sure it's successful. I am not setting them up to, for failure. If something goes wrong, I can step in, use my relationships, use my expertise to really make sure things are moving forward. Um, and that's the difference. And it is of all the tools we teach our clients, that is the one that gets the best results. Yep. That makes all the sense in the world to me. And you're exactly right. I conflate those terms uh, just like everybody else, I think, to mean the same thing. But there is a marked difference between giving advice to somebody and actively helping them to advance in their career. That is, uh, it's, it's a different thing. So, well, I appreciate it, uh, that, that sort of outline. So today... I, I, you know, I think overall, and we may have, sorry, may have put the cart before the horse uh, for a moment. I would love for you to talk just a little bit about ambition theory, uh, what you're doing, what your uh, mission is all about. And, um, you know, just kind of that outline a little bit, Andrea. Yeah. So we are a leadership development company and our focus is on helping companies to create work, to create work environments where women and everybody can thrive. And we're about helping companies advance women into leadership roles. Awesome. And how do you do that? Um, so we do it. It's actually really cool. And it's a bit different than when we um, had when I came on the show, I think it was almost two years ago. Um, so our signature program, it's called the Leadership Accelerator Program. Uh, we've been running this for five plus years, honing it down, really understanding, like, what does it actually take to advance women in this wonderful industry? And we take the approach. It's not like 
um, it's not really about confidence building. We do have a part, a part of the course does cover that. It's about understanding your personal brand, your values. But the big thing where we spend a lot of our energy is really like, how do you navigate this environment? And we take the approach that kind of if you assume that the world is equal, opportunities are giving out equal merit, you know, trumps everything that women are going to hit obstacles. Like it, and it's, it's nobody's fault. There's no one to blame. It's not men versus women. It's just the reality of where our culture is in our society in 2024. So we take the approach of like, we expose the elephant. Um, we recognize that it's there. And, and once you recognize that it's there, you can be really strategic about moving around it. Whereas if you pretend it's not there, it's like you're just going to keep hitting those barriers and you're going to get really frustrated. So that piece, um, we really help women. You really like navigate those politics, build those relationships, yeah. find sponsors. Um, and that's a big chunk of our course. Um, the second thing that we do, which is relatively new, and this is kind of over the past year and a half, is we work with companies on that culture perspective. So it's really educating everybody in the company that, you know what, men and women lead differently. Um, it's not that women are better than men. It's just different. It just is. Women are more transformational. So that's relational, collaborative. Men are more transactional. And this is data-based, not my opinion, um, more kind of like of that top-down approach. And in construction, the cool thing about this, you need both styles. And so that when you understand there's different styles of leadership and you can lean into different sides of the spectrum, it's really empowering for people to understand. And then the second piece is we really just teach every everybody about what are the obstacles? Like what, what are the things that are holding women back from advancing at the same rate as men? And the response has been so positive. Like it used to be like two years ago, I would go to talk at conferences, only women would would come up after kind of talking about how excited they were about these concepts. But now men are the ones first in line to say, you know what, I, that's a new idea. Like nobody ever explained it to me before this way. And I'm actually excited to take this back to my company. So that's how we do it. We do it at conferences and within companies. Yeah. And, and, and I want to, I want to circle back to this idea of what exactly has changed in, in our landscape and what is changing in our landscape. But before I do, I, I, I just want to emphasize that, um, the, the, uh, what Andrea and her team are doing is mm -hmm. I think for, from our client's perspective, looking at the, how, how are we set up today and what are the elephants in the room? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it is not a, uh, finger pointing exercise. It is not a, um, you know, like you said, there's, it's not about, there's nobody at fault here. It's, we just, this is just kind of the state of affairs. So mm -hmm. let's, let's start there. And I find that that's a very, very approachable place, uh, for people to come from. And so along those lines with what's changed and what's changed and what's changing in our landscape for women in construction. One observation that I sort of have is that the men I know are less, I'm going to say, defensive about the topic uh, than they were five years ago. And hmm. it's, it's a little bit less, for whatever reason, they feel a little bit less under attack with the idea. Like, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. Nobody's, I, I think, what we, whatever we've done to advance the conversation. When I say we, I just mean people who have tried to create a platform for this discussion. 
clearly more you than me. Um, but, but whatever we've done to advance this conversation, uh, what, what we've, uh, I think, also done in that process is done a really good job of not accusing people of things. And that has dialed down the defensiveness, which has really opened up, I think, a really a much a very positive conversation. From the sound of it, that's what you're experiencing, too, is you have men coming up now and they're excited about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's really cool. And I also think another one is the talent shortage. Like this has been a thing for many, many years, but I think companies are starting to feel it now and actually see into the future that this could actually be a real problem. So I think that part of it is too. And they always say like people don't take action unless they're in pain. And I think the pain of this looming talent shortage, this idea that like you know, you you may not be able to bid that project because you're not going to have the bodies on your team to build it if you win. That's a real thing. And so it's like, how do we prevent that from happening is a very strong motivator for people. Awesome. Um, sorry that, that you know, I'm, I'm writing down thoughts as you're going. This is always the balancing act. What happens when I'm having great ideas while interviewing somebody <laughs> have got <laughs> To find a way to balance this, uh, this is it's it's hard. Um, uh, so, I'm one of the things that I always love about talking to you, Andrea, is that you are huge into creating useful partnerships for data for research, and that using that research, I think, is so powerful in creating compelling and data-driven conversations uh, that, that again, I think also play that role of like removing opinion and bias from the conversation and, and moving more into a, let's just look at the data. What are some of the most compelling data that you're coming across? What are some of the studies that you have going on? And what are some of the most compelling data that you're coming across? So the study that we have, so we have our Building Better report, which I am so excited about. So this um, came about in 2023. We partnered with uh, the National Center for Construction Education and Research, so NCCER. And really the idea was built after the Lean In um, McKinsey Women in the Workplace report. I read that every year and I'm just so curious. I'm like, how is this showing up for women in construction? Like, I want to do this study. How do we make this happen? So we connected with NCCER and they are really focused on the craft professional side. We are more focused on the construction management side. And we thought, you know what, instead of trying to do things separately, why don't we do something together and really look at the numbers? And I think what came up for us was one, there's one myth out there. Like I thought it was a myth. I was pretty confident it was a myth, but I didn't have the numbers to back it up. Um, So we found out, we asked people like, do you want to be in a leadership role at some point in your career? And 88% of women said, yes, I want to, or they were already in a leadership role. So this myth that like, there's no pipeline, they're not putting their hand up, they don't want it, that is 100% not true. Um, So that was very, very compelling. The second one, we actually asked people, do you understand what it takes to advance in your career? And 76% said, yes, I do understand. And so um, women want to be into leadership role. They told us they they understood how to get there. But then 72% of women said they have never or rarely had a woman supervisor or manager. So they want to get there. They're telling us they know how, but they are not seeing it. It's not happening. Like most people don't see that example. And the first time we shared that 
that stat about the not having a woman manager, someone, um, this was someone in one of our courses, they said, if you can see it, you can be it. Like, and that's been mm -hmm. something that we recognize. Like, if you want to get more women in construction, if you want to get more women into leadership, you actually, the best way is to get more women into leadership. So that's kind of like that snowball effect that will happen. But the really interesting thing about the stat is we've been asking, we've taken this data and we've actually, we use it within our, with our clients as well. So we take the same questions, some of the same questions from the national study, and we ask the companies and two really powerful ways that we ask these questions um, really reinforce the sponsorship versus mentorship conversation. So we asked people, what do the, what kind of support do the most successful people in your organization receive? And the answers to those questions, that question is all sponsorship related behavior. It's like going to the golf tournament, having an ally on the executive team, um, being invited to the same meetings that my male counterparts attend. Those are all those like sponsorship related behaviors. And then we asked people, what kind of support do you want to receive? And a lot of the answers were mentorship behaviors. Like, I want someone to give me advice. I want someone that believes in me. I want someone that I can call with a difficult situation. And it's, I thought that was so interesting because these server respondents actually know what it takes to be successful. They know it's not about the hard work. They know it's all about those relationships. It's all about delivering that value. And it's all about having that person that can speak on your behalf when you're not there. They knew that. But the way that we've been socialized is into that kind of mentorship advice, be ready for the opportunity trap. And so when we asked them what they wanted, they were going down that trap of mentorship and advice and being ready. And I thought that was so fascinating and just reinforced the importance of teaching people about sponsorship. And, and maybe possible that they people think they know how to get there, but maybe they actually don't know how that machine really works. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because if they did, we would see it, right? Like if they yeah. did, we'd see it. Cause of the data is telling us that actually they think they know, um, but, but it's actually not working. So, I also yeah. love what you said. Uh, what kind of support do you want to receive? I think that's such an important question to ask someone or anyone on your team, like be very specific and how you can help that person achieve their goals or support them. I don't think that question's asked enough. Mm, that's a good question. But I think there's also this piece of like, what opportunities do I see for this person? Because a lot of times for women, it's like, we also know that women, um, I actually have a really good quote, and this was from our report that I'll read. It's like women in construction are often told to get more field experience and that we should know how to do every task and operate every piece of equipment before we can become a manager, even though men aren't expected to prove they can do this before they're promoted to leadership. And I think sometimes like it is great to ask the people on your team what they want, but sometimes they don't actually know. So it's really honestly taking it as the organization or as the leader, it's like, what potential do I see in this person that they may not see in themselves yet? And how can I find that stretch opportunity for them and push them out of their comfort zone when they're not ready? Because the way that women have been socialized, raised, expected to behave is we wait until we're 100% qualified before we put our 
up. Whereas the reality is we need to be actually doing those things before we're ready and learning it that way. And that's how you advance. So is there's this fine balance of listening to what people want and then actually knowing what it's going to take. What they need. Yeah. What they need. It's like what they want versus what they need. Yeah. But, but I, I, I think, you know, two different, two different concepts in one there, uh, for sure, Stacy, where you're saying, um, as a good leader, this is a great question to ask. And I think that's a hundred percent right. And we don't t- tap into enough what people tell us they want. We more just got yeah. kind of, as, as bosses, as leaders, we yeah. just kind of guess. Right. <laughs> you know, we, people should like this. That would be good. Yeah. I'm doing it. I, you know, I, I'm realizing as you're talking, I'm like, eh, I probably should ask that question. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I feel like I probably, I don't know. We'd have to, let's, let's survey the well-built team. Would you, uh, let's, let's do that. But, but I think, uh, the other piece of this is having the awareness. If you are in a leadership position that people don't necessarily know what to ask for, and they actually do need to be thrown a little bit into, I'm not, I'm not going to say the deep end, right? Like, cause that, 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 um, suggest that they're going to be without support. But what, what I do mean to say is that you push people out of their comfort zones and that you get them into situations that they wouldn't otherwise volunteer for, because you know that that's fundamentally what's going to be necessary to get them to the next level. And you can't wait until they're all the way ready to do that. That's just not the way it works. Yeah. And the cool thing that one thing that like you didn't mention is that you're in it with them. Like your skin is in the game too. You're putting them on a a bigger project that they've a size that they've never worked on before. And you know, if they screw up, you are going down with them. So it's like that mutual skin in the game because, and then they do a great job. You look great too. And people don't like this aspect of sponsorship. And I keep bringing it back to sponsorship because it's such a powerful topic, but people don't like this idea of the mutual benefit. It's always like they want to do it out of, Altruism, yeah. Good altruistic motives. Like, I just want to support women. I don't care about getting anything out of it. But that's not sustainable, right? And the beauty of sponsorship is that, like, when you're bringing people along with you, you win too. And actually helps you advance your career. And I think going back to what you said, Chad, at the beginning about men wanting to have these conversations, because I think the conversation before was like a either or, right? It's like, we're going to advance women at the expense of men. Like they're taking our jobs, they're taking our positions away. But the reality is it's a win-win. Like you can win too, right? It's like absolutely everybody, everybody wins. And that's the approach that we take. And, um, and I think it's a little bit different than kind of the, how the conversations have gone in the past. I, I can't help it. I have to say this. I have met so many terrible managers, <laughs> so many terrible managers. I've also met some amazing managers, amazing managers and leaders, right? But there is enough crappy management going on out there that an overall upgrade, like it's not as if there's just this line of amazingly qualified construction leaders just ready to go. And we, you, you can't push these women ahead of all these people. We need more competent leadership. And, and I, I really do think agreed. It's not a fixed pie. There's lots of opportunities. There's opportunity for everybody. Furthermore, we have a gap. We have a problem today in construction leadership where there are a lot of foremen who suck. And supers who suck and PMs who suck and I could keep going, right? There are a lot of these people who suck on the management side of things, on the leadership and people management side of things. We are, we're not at any risk of pushing out great people 
uh, in those roles because we're trying to advance women into those. Roles. And I think you brought on another point. And this is like a, the piece of another piece of the puzzle, which is the transactional versus the transformational leadership. And today, especially with the younger generation, they want a sense of purpose. They want to feel like they're contributing. They want to like understand what they're working on. And so you have kind of a bunch of things going on. And the model for construction, developing leaders has been like, really on the transactional side. So if you look at construction leadership courses, it's like how to give feedback, how to manage a budget, how to give difficult criticism. Um, it's really teaching people those transactional skills, like you're the boss and it's that top-down approach. And not everybody responds to that. So the the transformational skills, like understanding what motivates those people, um, inviting them into a vision, challenging them to contribute from a place of strength, those are all transformational leadership skills. And they haven't necessarily been taught to anybody um, in the construction industry. And the beautiful thing about this opportunity is research shows, this is not my opinion, women veer more towards the transformational yeah. side naturally. So they have these skills inside of them, but no one has shown them how to leverage them within the industry. They, they most 72 have never seen a real life woman leading in their company. So they've never seen like a walking example of like, this is what it could look like. This is how you do it. And so I think that's a huge opportunity for everybody to, to really lean into that side of the leadership spectrum and bring that it. back to their teams. I love it. Couldn't agree with you more. All right. I want to pause here to thank our sponsors and uh, give some recognition to the people who are helping us to spread positive change in the construction industry. Number one, I want to start with uh, Marsh McLennan Agency. This is a soup to nuts. Every All of your insurance and bonding needs, anything you could imagine. They really do specialize in the mid-sized contractor, small to mid-sized contractors, even large-scale contractors. But they're, they are really well-designed to meet the majority of our audience right where they are uh, for their insurance needs. So please take a look at Marsh McLennan. Uh, next is Sandy Spring Bank. This is a, a wonderful group of regional bankers who are uh, based in Maryland and do an incredible job of being business partners and solution providers for their mid-size, small to mid-size uh, contractor clients. Kate Lawrence at Lawrence Law. Um, Lauren, uh, Kate and her entire team are really well-versed in what it takes to support contractors with all their legal needs. Please give them a call. They're just awesome people to hang out with. Uh, as well. So you're not going to regret that call. Uh, and then lastly, we have Katz Abosh, which is a, uh, an accounting firm also based in the region where, the, where, where Stacy and I are based uh, and do a fantastic job working with a contractor client base to help them uh, with their tax, their audit, uh, and, and more, along with being real, uh, well-informed business advisors for contractors. And that's why all four of these are our sponsors is what they do is is truly just focus. They, they have uh, they have teams that focus really heavily on uh, this audience, which is, you know, the small to mid-sized contractor uh, business owner. So uh, thank you guys for your support. All right. So I want to, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Stacey, I, I probably, I had the feeling that you had a question right before I went away to sponsors. Oh, I just had a quick question. If Andrew, you wanted to share a story of anyone that's been through the program. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a couple because it's really powerful, um, like what can happen. And actually, and I'll focus ones that are in the Baltimore, D.C. area because we have a lot of, we work with a lot of clients in that area. Um, so one 
uh, one, they took our leadership accelerator program and how we met this client was like their company was really invested in leadership development. Like everybody on their leadership team had coaches. Um, this one woman, they're like, yeah, you need to get a coach. Like, this is what you do. Like you're, we wanted to invest in you. We want you to be here long-term. We want to stretch you. We're going to get you a coach. Um, and the leaders, they were the, the coaching company that they were working with. They only had coaches that were men. And she said, no, no, I want a coach that's women because it's different. And they, you know what? The company didn't really understand. This was a couple of years ago. We weren't having conversations like this. And they're like, okay, fine. Go find yourself a coach that's a woman. We'll pay for it. Great. And so she came to us. And so she joined our Leadership Accelerator program. And something really, really interesting happened. So we have a feedback assessment. We call it Your Leadership Brand, where we're helping people to see their strengths. And we get feedback from the people that they work with. And I'm reading her survey and what's coming up is I was like, oh my goodness, she's totally facing the double bind. And so the double bind is based on research that we did in 2021. We asked women the feedback that they get about their leadership skills. So 78% have been told that they need to be more confident, but 70% have been told that they need to be less bossy. So it's like, how am I supposed to act? Like you're telling me to be more confident. Then I go out and I, you know, I'm assertive. I'm giving direction. I'm telling people what to do. And then you're complaining because I'm too bossy or maybe another word that starts with a B that isn't as flattering. And so I'm reading her feedback assessment. I'm like, wow, this is really, really harsh, harsh criticism. And I had a relationship with the leaders in this company. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm this person's coach. Like what, it, how do I serve this person? Like, how do I serve them? Cause coaching is all about serving your client. Uh, and I'm like, how do I, I'm like, I don't want to send this to her. Like, this is really harsh feedback. And I think it's because, you know, she, there's not a lot of women in this industry. She's just facing that double bind. And so I actually met with the leaders and I had a really uncomfortable conversation with them. So, um, and what, what kind of, came about was they were you know really into that radical candor like when someone's doing something wrong speak openly and their coach really you know was on that journey with them and so that was the culture in their leadership team meetings and they're like you know what this has helped me so much this has helped me so much in my career to grow this has helped our team become closer together higher performing you know in this survey I'm going to give that to her as a gift because feedback is a gift. And it was out of all these amazingly great intentions. And I'm like, actually, let's use this as an educational opportunity. Like, this is the way that I interpreted it, that here's the double bind. And the reality is, as a woman, you do get this different types of feedback. So then I challenged them back. I said, what would happen if we just focused on this person's strengths? And they're like, okay, okay. And we didn't end up redoing the assessment, um, worked with the client to really kind of dig through that feedback to find those areas of strengths. They started doing them. So leaning into their transformational side of leadership, building those relationships, building the team up. And this was a safety person. And I think there's this stereotype of safety people coming on site and it's like, you did everything totally. wrong. Totally, yeah. Like, I, it's it's hard to be a well-liked safety person. Exactly. The first so this, yeah. And so <laughs> this amazing thing happened. So she just started going, showing up on her project, like with the people that she's worked with from a completely different side of the spectrum. So instead of like, this is what you did wrong. It's like, this is what we're working towards. These are our goals. This is what we want to achieve and building those relationships and supporting them in a positive way. And she caught, so the course ended like, 
maybe a month before Christmas, she calls me three weeks later. She's like, Andrea, you'll never guess what happened. She's like, I, I was at the Christmas party on Saturday and I won the integrity award. I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, explain. So apparent, so at their company, they have this award that employees vote for and management actually doesn't even know who wins. So it's nominated by employees based on behaviors. And she's the one that won because of the impact that she was having on all of these people in the company because she was leaning into her transformational leadership skills. And kind of the cherry on top was kind of that awkward conversation that I had once we, when we received that feedback turned into this beautiful journey of personal development and advocacy from that leadership team, because no one ever explained this to them before. Like they never had the opportunity to, you know, learn about these elephants in a non-judgmental way. And since then they've been learning, they've been sharing, they've been, it's just kind of like been this next level of growth for that leadership team as well, um, because they had this opportunity to learn and no one, gave, no one had offered it to them before. Man, that's awesome. That That's a, that's a great, what I, what I, particularly love about that is that everybody's natural inclination and probably not incorrect in lots and lots and lots of scenarios. Everybody's natural inclination is to lean into the negative feedback, uh, and, and assume some, some measure of validity in that feedback. But in this particular case, it's like, you know what, that's not going to be helpful. This is, you know, that's, uh, it, it takes some knowledge of the double bind to know, to, to, to be able to do that. Cause I think from the sound of it, it sounds like a really good company. Yeah. It sounds it's like a really company. good, right? Sounds like, sounds like leadership that's totally dialed in and, and gets it, you know, that kind of stuff, but didn't get the double bind. And so that was, that's, um, thank you for sharing that. I have, I have, I have a, a different, uh, line of question and we're getting close to where we have to wrap up, but I, there is something that I, I have to, we actually have a comment in the, in the chat that kind of re- relates to some extent to this of like, um, you know, what is, what do we need to do? What are the realities of, of being able to make, I'm going to say the construction industry more approachable for everyone mm-hmm. and more sustainable for everyone as a job that doesn't create burnout a job that doesn't, uh, you know, create undue burdens in people's lives and also grapple with the realities of, you know, needing to be in the field and needing to do the hard work and needing to, you know, all, all those things that are necessary to, to, to build, because that's what we do. What, you know, we're, we're a, we're a service company that manufactures things. You know, and that's a service industry that manufactures things. So with all of that out there, when I think about some of the limitations that I see um, that, you know, and I've I've watched this on broad scale with women in construction, they will find them. Some of the people I've talked to have found themselves feeling like their desire to be at home, you know, to, to have a family and their desire to to be the 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 mother in that family and play a I'm just going to call it more traditional r- role of mother in that family doesn't square well with the demands of the construction industry. I've talked a lot. You're getting my point. What's your reaction to that and and what do you think can be done? So first I want to share some data because I think um <laughs> starting with the data is really really helpful. So 
the lean when we did our building better report the lean in women in the workplace report had come out and what the number one thing that report talked about was flexibility for women like if you want women you need flexibility and we were like all right how does this show up in construction like right. i don't know um how are we going to make this work so we asked about it and what we found is that people it wasn't that flexible people knew like i'm not going to do this from home. So like, people know that you have to go on site. That was okay. But it was more of that work-life balance. And I have a really great quote that came through. It's like working within the boundaries of business needs, but having opportunities to arrange my schedule to balance life. And so I think this idea, it's like a lot of people told us, like we had a high percentage of people say that they felt guilty asking for time off to deal with something personal within their family. So it's like, sometimes they just want, I don't want to feel guilty about having to ask this time out. So sometimes they just needed a channel to, to go to, to actually like help navigate. Like, here's the situation. Like I need to be, I don't know, I have to take care of my parents or I need to take care of my child or, and sometimes I don't want it to be all about the kids or maybe I'm single and, and finding a partner is a goal that I have. So you yeah. know what? I need to be in my softball league right. at 7 PM because that's a goal of my life. And I think we put it, we blame the children, we like, but it's really like people have goals outside of work and that, that flexibility to be actually to actually be able to do both and not feel guilty about it. So that was the that's, thing that that's really that's a great insight in in see, you know thinking about that data rather than having to combat like you know think about are we going to do a work from home or are we going to do a um, you know, completely hybrid schedule where people are, you know, able to kind of come and go as they please, or, you know, th those types of things become, I think, non-starters. They're, they're really difficult conversations for the construction industry for a whole bunch of reasons that, that, you know, we don't, that's a different episode, but, um, but I think this idea of, can we create a more flexible environment? The answer that's yes. The answer is definitely <laughs> yes. To what degree, exactly what does flexibility mean in your in your business as a general contractor or as a trade contractor and how do you have to lay that out is going to be somewhat different but i will comment on something that i see as a common trend in what i will just overall say male dominated groups okay is that there and I, and I don't know if this is the same in, in female dominated groups because I have had zero exposure to that. But, but in male dominated groups, I have seen there's an overwhelming culture of uh, being a workaholic, being a, uh, a, a plus. That is something to strive for, right? On these teams. It's a cultural like. Yeah, that guy's it. And I, if I had a dollar for every time I said, you know, when's the last time you were in on a Saturday, right? Like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like it's a meaning being in on a Saturday is a, that's how you show you care. And that's how you show that you're committed to your job, right? In, in these types of cultures, that's really, really common. And I think, I don't, do you find that the companies you work with also while grappling with their, with their culture toward, you know, uh, creating a, an awesome place for women to thrive? that they also grapple with their culture toward being a workaholic. Yeah. So there's this something that has come up and this has been with our work with companies is this 
Um, a lot of companies are like, okay, we want women in the field leadership. We want women in field leadership. Um, but there's this perception, this has come up with multiple companies, that in order to be a field leader, you need to know how to do every single job on that right. site. Right. So it's really heavy on the transactional leadership. Like that's the style that is rewarded, right? Like you put in your 15 years, you've done this, 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 and this. So if someone's not there or you need to step up, you can go in and do it for them or you can show them how to do it. So it's a completely different mind. It needs to be a mind shift because it's like, okay, you're rewarded because you put in 14 hours because you were there telling them how to do it versus how often have you empowered your team to solve the issue on their own? Or how often have you encouraged people to really step up and and, and give to the plate. And we have a case study in our building better report about a company um, who actually tested this. So there was a woman, she was like a very, very senior level woman. She had young children and it got to the point where she's like, I'm done. Like, I can't handle this anymore. Yep. Like it's not, it's not working for me. Um, so they didn't want to lose her. So what they did is they, they really tested this out. So what, what worked really, really well, she set really strict, but so she's part-time. She works a limited schedule. And what she has is she set in really clear boundaries with her team. So her team knows like she is there, she's in charge, like she is not going to let them, you know, she's not going to let them you know, screw things up or like blame them if right. something goes wrong. She is there and she has really strict boundaries. That's like, you know what, send me an email in the evening. And I'll get back to you in the morning when I when I'm back on working. But they know 100%. If it's a real emergency, they call her. She answers. She's on site at three in the morning. Like right. that's the boundaries that she's been able to set up. And it's been a really positive experience for both of them. And I think there's growing pains on the company side. They're like, okay, how are we going to roll this out with everybody uh, that they're working through? But they tested it with this one person. And sometimes it's it's just having that faith having to, to try something different and really see what happens. And so what's happened is her team has been able to step up, which is actually more fulfilling for the team because they're actually developing their own leadership skills. Um, but she's created this structure of boundaries where she's there when needed, because I think a lot of times we lean on our managers. We ask we ask the manager to step in when you don't actually right. need to. Totally, to, to just be there. You're yeah. scared that, you know what, if they're not a hundred percent behind this, they're going to, you know, point the finger at me and it's going to be my fault. But I think working on that trust and really building those relationships, understanding what the people in your team are really good at when you can be fully hands off with them or when there's something they actually really don't know and you really need to be the one doing it. So I think there's that piece of the puzzle that we haven't it's great. necessarily created the space to explore yet. No, but, but I, I love the, you know, it, it's it's useful to think about the case by case scenarios where we have ha actually figured out workarounds, we have actually figured out new ways to do things, and being able to glean lessons from those and, and look across the board. My, one one last thought that I'll just share on this, and I think we have to wrap, but is um, that I there 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 tends to be a lot of comparing out that happens when you start making accommodations. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, hey, we're going to set this up for this person to make that work. And I think from a leadership perspective, you've got to send a message that like, look, we are open to change and uh, we're exploring different avenues of making things work. 
And that will sometimes look like this person has different expectations in their role and than you do. And that doesn't have to be a problem here. Do you know? And, and, and we're testing stuff. We're exploring stuff. So chill out because right. that, that is one of the biggest uh, pieces of pushback that I get from clients when I'm encouraging them to like, do this, create that workaround, have the, you know, accommodate this. Let's see how it goes. They're like, well, what about all the people who are going to say, well, you know, that's not fair for me. I said, well, then you, what you can't do is make the change and not address that. It's the elephant. Go and address the elephant. Hey, we're making this change. It's going to be different. This is why we're doing it. Uh, you know, we're, we have to be open-minded. And I ask that you be too. And when they lead with that, it kind of like pre-squashes the comparing out thing. And and like, yeah. that's not fair. You know, kind of. It's really that scarcity away. mindset, right? It's totally. like, if they get it, I can't get it. But the abundance mindset is like, if they can figure that out, I can get that too. Right. Oh, I could be at my kid's soccer game every single day week right wouldn't that be amazing for you too so you don't have to be that like it's like it's one of those things where it's really that above the line versus below the line approach and i think when we go in with all those negative expectations of course the outcome is going to be negative right but if you approach it from a place of curiosity and abundance it's you know it's a win for everybody we need more leaders like that andrea Mm -hmm. that's what we do all day so Thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see you again soon. Hopefully I get to see you when you're in town. Uh, and um, if you're not signed up to go on February 28th, uh, do go and check that out. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Awesome. Thanks, Andrea. Have a great Thank day. You. Thank you for joining us. Nice seeing you. you. See you soon. See ya. Bye. Stacey. Hi. Good episode. I, love <laughs> I, I could literally talk to Andrea all day. I have, yes. in fact, talked to Andrea. We've we've had conversations where I'm like, I really have to go. I can't believe how long we've been on the phone. Yeah. Um, I just I, I really enjoy her insights and, and overall her energy. So great to have her on. Yeah. Uh, Stacy, what's going on next week? What's happening? So I think you had a pre-discussion, right? Um, we're going to talk about the 2024 economic outlook on Tuesday. Um, that ought to be scary. Yes. Well, I don't know. How did your, did you speak with him yet? Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. So we have, uh, Niladrian. Um, he is, he's, he's just a brilliant guy. I, everybody's going to enjoy his perspectives and insights. He's very similar to Andrea, like hugely data driven and will be coming to the conversation with, Here's what has happened in the construction economy. Here's what's currently happening in the broader economy. And then here's some of the impacts that we that you may be able to predict in the construction economy based on some of those broader economic trends. Uh, overall, not I would no, I'm, I'm joking. Definitely not, you know, terrifying news. But look, it's it's just like. 2022 and 23, well, 23 in particular, just like 2023, depending on where you are in the country, what types of projects you work on and what trade you're in, it could be a pretty bumpy year in 24 and frankly in 25. So we'll, we'll uh, talk about where to try to position yourself to minimize the, the, the damage. Bumps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, do come and, uh, and check us out for that. And uh, reminder to everybody, uh, to go to the uh, www.themorninghuddleconstructionshow.com and make sure that if you're not, sign up for our newsletter. 
every week you'll be uh, updated with you know clips and links and how to sign up for the upcoming episode live and all that kind of stuff and also just a reminder for those of you who are catching us live for the first time and thinking man i can't always be here live not to worry you can catch us on apple and spotify and amazon podcasts and so on and so forth so be sure to uh to check us out on all those recorded platforms okay thank you stacy thank you have a great day you do the same see you soon. Good day. <laughs> bye see ya